tonight is what uh, some call Monday Thursday. Now that's a strange sounding word. Some of you may come from traditions that celebrate Monday Thursday, but that word Monday simply means this, commandment. And Jesus, on the night that he would be betrayed, the last night of his life, as I mentioned in John's Gospel, more than five full chapters are given to this one night. So realize, a 21-chapter book, and over a quarter of it is given to one night. And that word commandment, what that means, what it's speaking of is Jesus in John 13, 35 says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and by this all men, all people will know that you are my disciples. So the clearest mark that we are a disciple of Christ is how we love one another. And that's what Jesus did at this meal. He showed them how they were to love one another. I want to show you we're at about the time of day that Jesus would have started this supper. Here's how we know that. The Jewish day is very different from the Western day or the Ethiopian day. Here's how the Jewish day worked. It started when the sun went down. So right now the sun is setting. So this would be the start of what on the Jewish calendar is the 14th day of Nisan. So Jesus technically this last night of his life is actually a part of the last day of his life. The day started around 6. You can see that. So 6 o'clock the evening is what the day started with. Even when you read Genesis, what's it say? It was evening and morning. Now we don't speak that way. We would say it's morning and evening. This is the end of our day. But on the Jewish calendar, this is the start of the day. You would start the day and then you would go to sleep as the day started. So it's a, it's a different rhythm. You know, you in Ethiopia, we have a clock. Right now, what time is it? Nine o'clock? No, 12 o'clock. 12. It's 12 on the Ethiopian calendar. I'm still learning that. Six o'clock on the Western calendar. So we have lots of different calendars. I bring you into that so that you look and you go, okay, I see that this is the start of the last day of Jesus' life and realize this. Jesus had been waiting to celebrate the Passover meal with them. So they're going to have a Passover meal. Jesus will both eat a Passover meal with his disciples and later the same day, he will die at the time that the Passover lamb would be slaughtered on a daily basis. Every day they would kill a lamb at nine o'clock, which would be three English time, nine Ethiopian time. That's when they would kill uh, a lamb each day. But on Passover, it was a special remembering. That's when Jesus would actually die. So Jesus would both celebrate this meal and die on the same uh, day. Now, you're going to hear the word remember over and over again. And I'm going to talk about that. But let's go to the first slide, Luke chapter 22. I want to show you some things here. Luke chapter 22, verse 7 and 9. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus said to Peter, 
go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. So they make plans here. They're going to eat a Passover meal. Jesus already has a room set up for them to go to. And know this, Jesus is a faithful Jewish man. So he does all the things that the Jewish law requires and even a lot of the customs. So this Passover meal has been celebrated essentially the same way for over 2,000 years. Many of the elements go all the way back to Moses, which would be 3,500 years ago. So realize they've celebrated the same sort of meal with these same elements up here on the table and that everything they had had a significance to it. If we did a, what was called a Seder meal, if any of you are from a Jewish background or ever heard that word, Seder means order. A Seder meal would take us over two hours to walk through. We're not going to walk through the Seder meal, but I'm going to give you some things that were going on. As I mentioned before, Jerusalem has thousands of people coming to it. And um, Jesus in verse 14 and 16, let's see if those are 22, 14, 16, says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table. What that means is they would have sat at the table like this. They reclined. This was a, a free, this is the way a free person ate. In book of Exodus, it speaks of them reclining. So you would rest on this arm and you would eat with this hand. You would eat the food. And you would lean into the person beside you. So here it says that they reclined at the table and when the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knows exactly what's going on. He's in complete control of the events. And he says, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of, in the kingdom of God. So he's saying, hey, this is my last pat, this is the last meal I'm gonna eat like this because Jesus is self-sufficient. He doesn't need food. This is the last meal he'll eat in this manner until the kingdom of God comes and we're at the banquet of the Lamb. So a meal is coming that we all, all the believers, all the disciples from all time will share in this meal. But he's saying, hey, this is one that I've been waiting to share with you. Now, it goes back to Exodus, the Passover. I want to show you what Exodus says at the Passover. This is Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Now, it's going, to be, it's, going to have a, it's going to have four different things it'll say to people. I am the Lord. I will bring you out. That's the first thing. From under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from the slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Okay, now go to the next one. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egypts. So there's four things that they said they will do. I want you to hear this. I will bring you out. I will free you from slavery. I will redeem you, and I will take you to be my own people. At each of those, they had a cup of wine. Wine was a common thing to drink at a table like this. And at each of these cups, they had four cups they would drink at the night. The first one, they called it the cup of thanksgiving. And what he would say is, I will bring you out. 
And as they walked through the Passover meal, they would say, I will bring you out, and everyone would drink from the cup. Now, sometimes everyone would have, some people, some ways they do it, everyone has four cups in front of them. Sometimes they would just have four cups, and they'd be communal, and everybody would share. So this cup very well may have been passed around. So the first cup is, I will bring you out. Second cup, I will free you from being slaves. Again, deliverance. Here they would tell the Passover story. If you remember the Passover story, God's people were in slavery and bondage to Egypt. They had been for 400 years. And God delivers them by trusting in the most foolish thing you could imagine. Kill a lamb, paint blood over the door, and your family will be saved. That sounds crazy, but that's how God saves. God's way he saves always appears foolish to those who are on the outside. So they would walk through the, the story, and the children would be listening, and the whole family would be listening. So Jesus has this meal. The third cup is the cup of redemption. And they'd say, I will redeem you. This is all taken from that Exodus passage. See, I will redeem you there. That's the third cup. And the fourth cup is the cup of completion or restoration. I will take you to be my own people. Now, Jesus comes to a point in the meal where he says, this is my blood spilled for you, this cup. You're going to do this in remembrance of me. You're going to remember. I remember as a child, uh, the church I went to, it had a table at the front for communion. It said, do this in remembrance of me. That goes all the way to back to Exodus. And Jesus brings it forward and takes this cup and says, hey, drink this. As you remember me, you'll drink this cup. So that's what they would, they would do to remember what Jesus had done. The third cup, though, is the cup he does that on the cup of redemption. Jesus redeems them. The fourth cup we'll drink later. He only goes three cups here. Now, let's look at the next slide. Luke 22, 17 and 18. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So Jesus had them drink from this cup. Let's look at the next verse. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to him, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they'd eaten, said, The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus takes bread. Now remember the bread. It's um, unleavened bread. And what's significant about unleavened bread, they had to rush out, and if you put yeast in the bread, it puffs up. And yeast or leaven, either word, in Scripture is a picture of sin. Because what does sin do to you? Makes you puffed up. Makes you think you're more important than you are. Makes you think you're bigger than you are. It, 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 you, you turn self-focused. So with no leaven, it doesn't rise. Now, to this day, Jewish people use unleavened bread at the Passover meal. And it's, you can't see this, but later on you can come up. This bread is both striped and has no leaven in it. This is a picture of Jesus' body. It was pierced, it was striped, it had no sin. 
So Jesus gives us a picture of his own body and he would break it because this is hard to break. His body would literally be broken. So he breaks the bread and they take it and they eat it. Again, you can come up in a little bit when, we're, when we finish up and see that. Um, and he came out and went as was the custom to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. So I'll tell you a little bit more about the details of the, of the table. I did a lot of that last year. So sometimes I like to focus on different aspects of the night. After Jesus finishes the meal, he walks out of the upper room, his disciples follow him, and they go to the Mount of Olives. When they were walking to the Mount of Olives, they would have had to cross the Kidron Valley, which would be covered in blood. It would literally be a river of blood because they killed that day for the Passovers to be celebrated. You took your lamb and had it killed by the priest they killed as many as 250,000 lambs. And all the blood drained into the Kidron Valley. So Jesus walks his disciples out the Kidron Valley and it's covered with blood and they walk up. Let's look at the next slide. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a, a, male, a male year old. You'll take it from its sheep and from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. And when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So they're all killing, uh, killing their lambs is a picture of it. And what they taught, after you ate, if you ate Passover in the city of Jerusalem, you were not allowed to leave the city. So Jesus, do y'all remember I've told you the last few weeks, where was Jesus staying during Passover week? Remember the city's name? Bethany. But Bethany's outside of city limits. I told you last week, Bethpage was as far as you could go and still be in city limits. So they can't go to Bethany. So guess where they go? They go to, on the Mount of Olives to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 and 40. Listen to what it says. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Now, let me show you some... Uh, what the Mount of Olives looks like. You can probably guess what covers the Mount of Olives. Um, it, it's covered by olive trees. That's what an olive tree looked like. If you were to, these olive trees are today on the Mount of Olives. These are pictures I took of olive trees on the Mount of Olives. If you go there, they're still there today. These olive trees date back to the time of Jesus. That's how old they are, okay? These olive trees, whenever they came to destroy the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Roman generals liked the shade of the olive trees and they didn't destroy them. So many of them survived. So some of these date back that far. Now, you can see uh, pictures of the olive trees. Go on to the next slide. This is an olive tree roots. And here's what you can do with an olive tree. You can take a branch from one olive tree and put it into another olive tree and tie it up and it will use its root system. So an olive tree branch can be grafted into another olive tree. Why do I mention that? Because Jesus came to the Jews first. But he's going to take a wild olive branch called the Gentiles. That's anybody who's non-Jewish. 
So if your background isn't Jewish, that's us. We're called a wild olive branch. And he takes that wild olive branch and he grafts it in to the olive tree. Let's look at the next slide. This is what olives look like. Again, these are pictures all taken from Israel today. So those are olives that will be collected. Why would they collect olives? Let me give you a, a little bit of information about that. Olive were used to make oil. Olives uh, would be used to make oil that would be used to burn in the temple to provide light. Now, olive oil could be used for a lot of things, but do you remember what Jesus says? I'm the light of the world. And here he comes to the Mount of Olives where they have these olive trees. Let's look at the next slide. Jesus went to, uh, to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, now, does anybody know what Gethsemane means. Anybody ever heard that? You probably only heard the Garden of Gethsemane, right? What a Gethsemane is, it's actually a cave. The word literally means, gat means place of pressing. And the idea of shemanen means oil. So a Gethsemane, don't, don't lose me here, you would take olives and you would crush them to make olive oil. That's what you did. And Jesus and his disciples that night were going to sleep in this cave called a Gethsemane because they couldn't go too far away from the city. They had to stay in city limits. So let's look at the next slide. Now, again, these are pictures from Israel. That right there is... Um, a millstone, that circle. Do you remember when Jesus said, if you lead a little kid astray, that it'd be better a millstone thrown around your neck and thrown into the ocean? There's a millstone. So we should take that seriously if we are people who end up leading children away from the truth. So what you would do is you'd put the olives under there and a donkey, see the donkey there? He would walk around in a circle and he would crush the olives. Let's look at the next one. So then, again, these are all from Israel present day. What they would do is they would take this device, it was a big wooden stick with a weight on it, and they would put the olives into baskets and flatten them, and then they would get the best, purest olive oil. So there was a whole process to this. So it's significant that Jesus goes and sleeps in the place where the olives are crushed to be light for the temple. Let's look at the next slide. So there you can see the stones again. This is the crushing stone. Here you would put the baskets under that. So it would all be crushing weight down on this. Let's look at the next one. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Now, Jesus, there was always a fifth cup you left at the table. It was called the Elijah cup. They were waiting for Elijah to return. In fact, you'd leave an empty seat for Elijah in case he came back. And Jesus here, there's one cup that we haven't talked about. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is going to drink from the cup 
of the wrath of God. Now, do you remember Jesus sweat? He was so stressed about this that he sweat drops of blood. I don't think Jesus is stressed about enduring the worst physical beating anyone could almost ever endure, although I don't think he wanted to. I don't think he's stressed about hanging on the cross and physically dying. Here's what he's stressed about. He's going to take the wrath of God upon him. He's going to, on the cross, he's going to take all the sin that you and I have ever committed upon him, and he will be separated from God the Father in some way there. Let's look at the next slide. Thus the, thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of wine of wrath, and I will make the nations to whom I send you drink it. So Jesus is going to fulfill this prophecy in Jeremiah by taking the cup of wrath upon him the next day. Let's look at the next slide. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds you are healed. Let's look at one more slide. Back in Luke. And there appeared an angel from heaven, strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed earnestly. And sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. So again, Jesus goes out to the Gethsemane, out to the garden after sharing a meal, and he prays, I don't want to take this on. He's stressing over it. Let's look at the next slide. This is the basket with the olives that is being crushed. That's what would happen to Jesus the next day. He would be crushed with the weight of the sin of the world, the wrath of God upon him. And he's sleeping in the Gethsemane where they crush olives every day. And they take that olive oil and they use it to light the temple. And here comes Jesus. I'm the light of the world. He fulfills all of these things that we see uh, coming on. So let's look at the next slide. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? Disciples say, we are able. Jesus is talking about a cup of wrath for the sins of the world. There's no way they could drink it. He said to them, you will drink my cup. So they're going to drink the cup that Christ will give them. But my right hand and my left is not mine to grant. But it's for those who have been prepared by my Father. So the disciples are even debating who will drink this cup. Now let's see the next slide. Jesus takes and gives his disciples... A, um, a cup here at the end of the meal and there's a lot of wedding customs here in Ethiopia there's a lot of wedding customs around the world in ancient Israel when you determine the bride price the father would give his cup of, his son a cup of wine and his son would give that to his bride that's what Jesus does at this meal the son gives his bride the disciples a cup to drink and Jesus is going to be the one to come pay the price for that and be crushed that next day. Now, usually I have people sit around the table. I'll have y'all come up in a minute. Tonight, I won't. But everything at this table has significance. And the disciples, Jesus would have been seated right here with Judas and John. We can tell that by piecing together the Gospels. I did that last year. Judas sat right beside Jesus. 
John right there, Peter over there, the rest of the disciples in order. And you would have the guest of honor sit beside you. So up until the last minute, Jesus had both Judas, who would betray him, seated in the spot of the guest of honor, and he had John beside him. And Jesus knew that that night was the night that he would be crushed. He was going to go and be crushed in order to be the light of the world. He was going to drink the cup of wrath. No one else could drink that cup. No one else could take the wrath of God upon him. That's why three hours of darkness fell upon the earth, and he would die for the sins of the world. This here is a picture of all the elements at the table. What we're going to do is we're going to celebrate communion tonight because that's what they did that last night. We're going to do it like we normally do here. Children and parents, y'all can come up and look at the table and this will tell you the elements at the table and why they're there. So that's why I put this up so you can go, okay, why is the bread there? Well, it's unleavened. There was no time as they were leaving Egypt to, to escape. So let me pray and we'll, uh, you can come forward and take uh, the communion elements. God, I thank you that we can take time tonight to reflect on this last night of your life. A night when you celebrated in the upper room with your disciples, and then you would go and you would be crushed. You would go to a Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, where they crushed olive oil. They crushed olives, make olive oil to light the temple. And you would go there, and that's where you would sleep. That's where you would plan to rest for the night. But Lord, it would not be a restful night. It'd be a night that you'd be betrayed by a man who was your guest of honor named Judas. And it was a night that you would go and endure a trial, six different trials you would endure, all of them illegal. And by morning, crowds would be shouting crucify and you'd be beaten and sent to the cross. So Lord, as we take time tonight to reflect, may we reflect that it was our sin that sent you to the cross. Each of our sin, it was, it was our rebellion against God Almighty that sent you there. So Lord, may we both mourn and celebrate. Mourn that our sin sent you to the cross and celebrate that you would eventually have victory over death. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.